Ruth chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat there. When the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, Come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, Sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth the Moabites, you acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the kinsman redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Marlon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabites, Marlon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town records. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all those at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. Then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amimadad, Amimadad the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, 
Boaz, the father of Obed, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, over the last month or so, we've been looking together at the book of Ruth. Now, I'm aware that people have been away for various reasons, so I'm going to start with a recap of what we've seen so far. The book of Ruth is set in the time of the Judges, which was a time where the nation of Israel was living in the land that God had promised. And yet they weren't living for God. Israel had no king, so each person did as they saw saw fit. It was a time of chaos, danger, and idolatry. At the beginning of the book, we meet the family of Elimelech. Because of a famine, he moved his family out of Israel to a Gentile nation called Moab, right next door. But things got worse for this family. Not only did Elimelech die in Moab, his two sons, Marlon and Kilion, also die, leaving his wife, uh, Naomi, and uh, her two Moabite daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, widowed. So Naomi decides to return home to Bethlehem, the town in Judah that they'd come from. Uh, Ruth makes a radical decision here. She covenants herself to Naomi and God. She promises to stay with Naomi um, and promises that Naomi's God will be her God. And so they return to Bethlehem and just happen to stumble across a field that belongs to Boaz, who is a relative of theirs who is a kinsman redeemer. Now, Tim helped us to explain uh, a little bit of this last week, uh, that we saw Boaz being Naomi and Ruth's kinsman redeemer, meant he could restore the land and name of Elimelech. So after Boaz shows nothing but outrageous kindness and generosity to them, Naomi puts her faith into action. She sets Ruth off to basically propose to Boaz. Boaz responds well to this and promises to do all that she has asked. But there's a catch. There's another kinsman redeemer who actually is responsible for redeeming them. So we left last week in anticipation, waiting to see if Boaz will in fact redeem Ruth, um, as we suspected all along from the moment he came on the scene. Or will it be this other kinsman redeemer who does it instead? So as we get into our passage this morning, let me pray for us as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift that your word is to us and that it is relevant to us uh, even today. We pray that as we look through this story that you would help us to see the truth of this passage and how it points us to our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. So Ruth and Naomi need a redeemer. They are in an empty and hopeless situation, without husbands, without any land, and without any way to make food on their own, especially as the harvest season is coming to an end. There's nothing they can do to get themselves out of the situation by themselves. They need help. They need a redeemer. As Christians, we know that we too need a redeemer. We believe that not one of us here um, is righteous by our own merits. None of us is in a right standing before God by our own deeds. Therefore, we too need a redemption. 
so that we are rescued from our slavery to sin and brought back into a right relationship with God. We'll see in our passage today that Naomi and Ruth receive costly redemption that brings inclusion, fullness, and hope. And this is a foreshadow of the kind of redemption that Jesus Christ achieves for us. And we'll find that our response should simply be to praise God who redeems us through Jesus Christ to give us inclusion, fullness, and hope. We're going to look through our passage then under two main headings, which are redemption is costly and the redeemed receive grace. So firstly then, redemption is costly. Redemption is costly. Any true redemption comes at a price. It is costly to redeem someone. And that will be no different for Naomi and Ruth. They need a kind and loving redeemer who is willing to pay the price for their redemption. Let's get into our passage then to see this truth unfold um, as we read through our story. Let's sit down at verse 1 of chapter 4 and read that with me. Starting from verse 1. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat there. When the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, Come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. At the end of chapter three, Boaz agreed to make sure Ruth and Naomi would be redeemed. And we see that Boaz is as good as his word here. You can just imagine with me what this might have looked like. On the busy street by the town gate, Boaz is sat waiting at a local cafe, having gathered ten elders to join him, to make it official, of course. As this kinsman redeemer comes along, Boaz waves him down and invites him to join them. The two parties are now gathered uh, with witnesses. The stage is set. The, The legal proceedings can begin. Boaz starts by telling the kinsman redeemer this from verse three. Let's look down at that again from verse three. Then he said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of the seated here and in the presence of my pe- uh, the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so that I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line." The kinsman redeemer has been filled in in, uh, with the details of the situation. A bombshell goes off as the kinsman redeemer says, yes, I will redeem it. Now, if you're anything like me, as he says yes, we say no, we want Boaz, not this man. We like Boaz. We don't even know this man. We We don't even know his name. And we start throwing popcorn at our Bibles. However, before we get too frustrated... Boaz hasn't finished explaining. As far as the kinsman redeemer is concerned, the cost of redeeming a Limelech's estate doesn't seem to be very much. Naomi will be one extra mouth to feed, yes, but she won't have any children. So it seems like a worthwhile investment because once Naomi passes away, he'll keep the land. But there's more to it than that, 
as Boaz goes on to explain um, as we continue reading from verse 5. Let's read that together. Verse 5 says this. Then Boaz said, On that day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth the Moabites. You acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. On hearing the further terms and conditions, the kinsman redeemer starts to backpedal. To him, Ruth is not worth the cost. When, uh, the, when the kindness didn't cost him very much, he jumped at the opportunity to show himself as a kind man. But now that Ruth is also a part of the package, it doesn't seem to be worth it for him. It's too costly. If he redeems Ruth, her future children will become heirs to Elimelech's estate. This means the kinsman redeemer won't receive any of the property. We see that redemption is costly. Too costly, in fact, for this kinsman redeemer. As he says, I cannot do it. As he backs out, it opens the way for Boaz. Uh, Let's read again from verse 8 of our story to see this. From verse 8. So the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced uh, to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech and Kilion and Marlon. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabites, Marlon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town records. Today you are witnesses. Boaz plays his cards immediately by accepting the responsibility of redeeming Ruth and Naomi. He promises to buy the land and property of Elimelech um, and to marry Ruth. When compared with this unnamed kinsman redeemer, uh, who shows a distinct lack of willingness to make that sacrifice, Boaz's unparalleled generosity and grace is fully highlighted for us. We are able to recognize it more in light of the other man's rejection. We can see the cost of the redemption and the kindness of Boaz as their redeemer. It will cost Boaz having his name remembered in the genealogies of Israel, as Ruth's son will become Marlon's heir, not his. It will come at great financial cost to Boaz to take care of Elimelech's property with Ruth and Naomi, without the long-term benefit that that land might bring, because that will become Ruth's sons. Redemption is costly. But why does this matter to us today? Why does this old story have any relevance to us? Well, this redemption points forward to an even greater redemption. In the same way that Boaz pays to redeem Naomi and Ruth at great cost, Jesus Christ redeems us at great cost. But even more than a man's estate, it cost Jesus his life. He won our redemption by his precious blood as he died on the cross. Christ redeems us from slavery to sin and death. If we believe and trust in Jesus Christ today, then we should be praising God for this redemption that he's achieved for us. 
He was willing to pay the price for us, to pay the cost for our redemption, even though we didn't deserve it. So praise God for our redemption in Jesus. As Christians, we need to continue looking to and trusting in Jesus, therefore, as our Redeemer. No one else can provide for us the rescue we need to bring us back into a right relationship with God as our Heavenly Father. If you're with us this morning um, and wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, it's great that you're here with us. Can I encourage you to find out more about Jesus? If Jesus really can redeem us from our biggest problem of sin by paying the ultimate price, dying for us, surely he's worth finding out more about. Redemption is costly. So praise God for our redemption in Jesus. Just as Jesus Christ willingly and lovingly paid the price for us, Boaz willingly and lovingly paid the price for Ruth and Naomi, which brings along with it grace for them. And that leads to our second point, that the redeemed receive grace. The redeemed receive grace. Through the redemption that Ruth and Naomi receive from Boaz, they receive grace, which we see evident in three different ways which are inclusion, fullness, and hope. And we'll look at those individually as we continue through our passage. So firstly then, the redeemed receive inclusion. The redeemed receive inclusion. Back in chapter one, Ruth was introduced to us as a Moabite, someone who belonged to the land of Moab, excluded from being a member of God's people. But now that Boaz has redeemed her, she receives a loving welcome into God's people. And we see this in our passage, starting from verse 11. Let's read that together. Uh, Verse 11 says this. Then the elders and all those at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrath and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez and who Tamar bore to Judah. The elders, the ones who are witnessing these legal proceedings, pray for Ruth. They pray that Ruth would become like a, a mother in Israel, like Jacob's wives. They give her the same honor as Rachel and Leah, who together built the house of Israel. This is a radical inclusion that would have shocked the readers at the time. If you weren't Jewish, you were clearly separate from God's people, especially if you were a Moabite who weren't allowed to receive God's blessings. And yet in this prayer, Ruth is included with the mothers of the whole nation and is also listed with a founding mother from the tribe of Judah, Tamar. Now, that house uh, was the promised royal tribe of the Messiah. A prayer, therefore, that asks God to include Ruth in the chain of generations through whom God will send his promised king. How radical is that inclusion? Now, we don't have to wait long to find out that God is more than happy to answer this prayer for the elders. As in verse 13, we see that Ruth is properly welcomed into God's family and becomes Boaz's wife. 
The redeemed receive inclusion. If we believe and trust in Jesus Christ today, then we should be praising God for our redemption. He has achieved for us, which means we receive inclusion. This inclusion here is not just a one-off. It's a pattern of God's plan to include people from all nations into his people. Today, we see that most closely in the church. People from any number of nations, tribes, and tongues come together, united in Jesus Christ. The way into God's kingdom has always been as undeserving outsiders. God delights to give grace to sinners. As Christians, we should continue looking and trusting in Jesus as our Redeemer. No one else can provide for us the rescue we need to bring inclusion within the church family, where we can enjoy fellowship and where we can show others the radical kindness that Jesus has shown to us. So praise God for our redemption in Jesus, which brings us inclusion. So we've seen that the redeemed receive grace by inclusion. And secondly, the redeemed receive fullness. The redeemed receive fullness. Back in chapter one, Naomi left Moab empty and bitter. She even changed her name to Mara, which literally means bitter. However, all this has changed. By the end of our passage, Naomi is renewed, loved, and full. And we see this starting from verse 13 of our passage. Let's read that together. Verse 13 says this. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. Boaz and Ruth get married, and the Lord graciously enables them to conceive a son. A clear statement from the, from the narrator that the Lord has been working behind the scenes all along to bring about an incredible reversal for both Ruth and Naomi, because Ruth becomes a mum. And yet, strangely, Naomi is the one who receives all the congratulation cards. The women in the town don't go to Ruth, they go to Naomi, um, and they say this in verse 14, that he is her kinsman redeemer. Obed brings redemption for Naomi and Ruth um, into being. He is Marlon's heir, who will inherit Elimelech's property and continue their family name, all brought about because of the incredible love of Ruth. This leaves Naomi full with a newborn baby in her lap, whom she cares for greatly. The redeemed receive fullness. Again, this is an image of the kind of fullness we receive in Christ Jesus as Christians. If we believe and trust in Jesus Christ today, then we should be praising God for the redemption he's achieved for us that brings us fullness. This isn't a fullness that is guaranteed now. 
Ruth doesn't teach us that if we think we're missing things in our lives now, that God will give them to us. He doesn't promise to give us a child, a spouse, or even happiness on earth. God, in his kindness, does give, give us many things, but he doesn't, promise to the, thus, he doesn't promise them to us. Instead, in Christ, we have a fullness of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, meaning that we have a new identity in Christ. Like Naomi, we've been made alive, given renewed life in Christ. We've been forgiven, redeemed, reconciled to God, and included in a church family. As Christians, we need to continue looking to and trusting in Jesus, therefore, as our Redeemer. No one else can provide for us the rescue we need to bring us fullness of joy in the forgiveness of our sins. So praise God for our redemption in Jesus, which brings us fullness. So we've seen redemption brings uh, inclusion and fullness. Thirdly and finally then, the redeemed receive hope. The redeemed receive hope. The story of Ruth ends on a note of hope in a genealogy. It looks forward with the narrator um, to the future of Naomi and Ruth. Obed brings hope because he is pointing forward to the great King David. And this king of Israel points even further ahead to another king from the town of Bethlehem, Jesus Christ. From our point in history, we can therefore look forward to the hope of eternal life that Jesus has won for us. We see this in our passage from verse 17. Let's read that together one last time. Verse 17. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Back in chapter 1, we were given the impression that there was no hope for Ruth, uh, that she could marry or even raise children to continue the family line. And yet God has graciously provided them new hope through Boaz as their redeemer and through Obed as the heir of Elimelech's estate. Also remember that the book of Ruth is set in the time of the judges, a time of chaos, danger, and idolatry, a time of hopelessness. If you read the book of Judges, which is just before Ruth, you'll find that the narrator keeps saying this, in those days... Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. It was a time when Israel did not live under God's rule. And so this genealogy hopefully points forward to a king, exactly what God's people needed. God provided for his people with a king whose name carries the hope of the Messiah. If we believe and trust in Jesus Christ today, then we should be praising God for the redemption he has achieved for us that brings us hope. David points forward to King Jesus, who points us forward to the resurrection of our mortal bodies and the hope of eternal life. As Christians, the best is yet to come. King Jesus has redeemed us from death and has brought us new life so that beyond this world we can share in his inheritance. What great news is that? We need to continue looking to and trusting in Jesus, therefore, as our Redeemer. No one else can provide for us the rescue we need 
to bring us hope of eternal life, hope of a secured inheritance, hope in the promise of fullness in the resurrection. So praise God for our redemption in Jesus, which brings us hope. We've seen today then that Boaz's redemption of Ruth and Naomi is an image of the costly redemption that Jesus has won for us. So our response should be to praise God for our redemption in Jesus, which brings us grace by inclusion, fullness, and hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story in Ruth, uh, that it is a story that is relevant to us today, that it points forward to the incredible rescue that Jesus has won for us. Uh, we pray that we would recognize the cost that Jesus took, uh, well, died on the cross for us um, in order to bring us uh, a rescue. We pray that our response would be nothing more than to praise your name uh, and glorify you as a church family. The fact that you bring us inclusion, fullness, and hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.